You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome, Nanolog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I am Scott. Oh, this is not Matt. Who are you? I don't know you. I am the fake friend of Steve because I actually don't like him. Oh, it's true. He doesn't like me at all. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand why. We're such, I'm such a lovable guy. Anyway, so this week we're going to go back to back. Well, this week we're starting with number one with an Alex Proyas. Is this how we're going to pronounce his name? Proyas. Proyas. I don't know. Proyas. He's Australian. And his first movie we're going to do here is The Crow. Devil's Night is upon us again. Throw a little party, start a bunch of fires, make a little profit. Someone's dead. They can't come back, can they? That's what I thought. Are you referring to anyone in particular? Yes, yes, and and they did right by sensationalizing Brandon Lee's death by calling it out, essentially. His last stunning performance. It's, it's just like a person that would be yelling in front of an old-timey like theater. They're like, come see the last performance of the dead Brandon Lee! Now, I don't know of any previous performance either, though, Brandon Lee. Uh, he did Rapid Fire, I remember that one, and he did uh, something lovely called Laser Mission, which you can actually go back like over a year, I think, and we did that with our buddy Scott Roger of Horror Movie Night, and it, it's it's Brandon Lee who travels to Cuba as like a James Bond ripoff to get a scientist who knows how to take diamonds and turn them into lasers and it's called Laser Mission, but there's no lasers in the movie, which is hilarious. It's got Ernest Borgnine in it. It's just a magnificently bad, good movie. Sounds sounds amazing. I never heard of it. It's free on YouTube. It's oh yeah, and it's the four uh, three aspect ratio of it. So someone captured it from their VHS and just slapped it on YouTube, and no one owns the rights to it. I guess so. No one can take it down. Or maybe they just don't care. Probably that too. <laughs> but yeah, Brandon Lee did a few things in Japan and then he moved over to America with, you know, stuff like Laser Mission, Rapid Fire, and then he hit with the crow. Right. And sadly it was his last one. Swan Song it ended up being, but I only knew him obviously leading up to the crow, I only knew him as the son of Bruce Lee. So that was Yeah. And you explained to me how Bruce Lee died, because I didn't know. Yeah, I, I don't know officially, but, you know, I knew it stemmed from some sort of, I think, brain hemorrhaging. I read some things that Brandon Lee dying was 
more people thought it was more than a coincidence that that maybe the Lee family itself has is cursed and you know we can we can talk about that later but yeah i'm at least the males i don't know if any females have randomly yeah but who knows i I don't know so let's go into the detail well actually first uh i first saw this the history behind this i first saw this when it was a rental this is a huge rental for me as a i don't know i think i was let's see i was born in 80 so i was around 11 yes 94 i believe sounds right and i was 10 and it was definitely a rental for me too good old blockbuster uh rental but I, I i remember i was big into comic books and for me it was i loved drawing the crow that was kind of one of the things that i remember most for from this movie was how cool it was especially there's a shot where he's walking down the street he's got the crow on his shoulder and i always thought that that was awesome and so i i, I did a lot of drawings with the crow and mm-hmm. so that's kind of where and and honestly that was up until you know today that was the last time i think i can honestly say i watched the crow which is which is unfortunate cuz it's a it's a great movie yeah it really holds up yes yeah very impressive and the visuals in this movie obviously was put together by a, a visual director who did music videos beforehand but like so many of the shots in this film just look like a poster a work of art yeah, and the the stages, the models, the the matte paintings, all that hold up uh, fairly well. And you know, even some of the rotoscoping that is obvious if you you know look yeah. back and watch the movies, yeah. even even the rotoscoping is is not terrible <laughs> in some scenes. No, yeah, rotoscoping can sometimes really hold up, and then there's a few times where the animation looks a little odd. <clears throat> Mortal Kombat two. <laughs> oh, well, that's awful i like how you, <laughs> you pick like the worst example of it that's, uh, that's why you're a good guest for this podcast <laughs> i could pick a normal example but let's go extreme there you go extreme <laughs> that movie was so bad yeah it really is oh my gosh the green screen in that movie uh-huh. oh atrocious <laughs> anyway back to a good movie uh the crow yeah so we had some big players in this well uh, Big character players, I guess you could say. They're like, they're not household names, but you know the faces. And and Michael Wincott being one of them. Yeah, well, Michael Wincott as Top Dollar is my favorite Michael Wincott character ever. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, he's walking around and like, it's it's like a, a pirate's... Sleeves, but he's wearing like a skin tight vest. Uh-huh. He's almost, it almost feels like he was born for this role in a way. I mean, yeah, I could, yeah, I mean, maybe he was. But he, he kind of is that guy in his movies anyway, I feel a lot of the times. You know, obviously, Strange Days was, yeah, he was very, that was, he was kind of a Michael Wincotti esque guy there too. You know, it's almost, similar well, he's got like this rock and roll like theater pretty boy look yeah. but when you look at his face he's not actually a pretty boy he's he's a guy I would be afraid of if i saw him in an alley and i would actually think that he might be like some sort of uh, homeless person or something <laughs> a homeless person with a, Drug- an, an amazing voice yes yes oh definitely animated animated villain voice he is yeah i wonder if he did any animated he had to I don't know anything about Michael Win- uh, Wilcott's career after the 90s, but I hope he did some animated voices. I I wonder what he's doing now. I mean... Michael Wincott's done a lot of 90s films. Uh, he kind of trailed off, but he did the Hitch... He was Ed Gein in Hitchcock from a couple years ago. So that's something. But it, it looks like maybe... I'm assuming he went to theater. Or just retired because he's in his 60s. Yeah, maybe. He he had a great run though of of characters back in It's stuff like The Three Musketeers, you had uh, Born on the 4th of July. Uh, he just had One of, Yeah, one of my favorite roles was the Count of Monte Cristo. I thought he was real good in that too. Yeah. He he plays he just plays a good villain. He does. And he's just that man his voice is so damn good. 
I kind of wish he was in more now. Like an old, just yeah, smokes too much. Maybe like a kind of like what what Tommy Lee Jones has kind of done with his career. You know, embrace the the old grumpy gritty. You know, with that voice, he he totally could. It's like you people don't know what you're doing. Back in my day, oh man, just a disgruntled back in my day old man. Clint, I mean Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah, I funny. mean <laughs> Clint Eastwood basically is just like that's my role. Yeah, Clint, Grant Torino, Clint Eastwood is basically uh, every old man from the know, most the... lovable racist of all time. Yeah. Yeah, and then we had a lot of, uh, again, we had a man who never ages, Ernie Hudson. Incredible. He's in his 60s or whatever he's in now. He looks like he's 35 years old and everything. Yep. He's incredible, and he's great in this movie. He's like the perfect compliment role, you know? I don't know if there's ever a movie I've seen him in where I'm like, yeah, I just don't like Ernie Hudson in this movie. I, because it just, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> There's not one person I've ever met who's like, you know what, guy, I can't stand that Ernie Hudson. Like, no, no one has ever said that, ever. He was in, he was in Ghostbusters, and then from then on, everyone's just like, you know what I could need, you know what I need more in my life, Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Yeah, and this okay. So we already talked about we've gone through Brandon Lee, uh, we've gone through Ernie Hudson, Michael Wincott. But one guy who's fantastic, who does a lot, he was in The Warriors, is uh, T-Bird, David Patrick Kelly, is one of the most underappreciated genre actors. He's just so good at ad-libbing and coming up. You remember The Warriors where he's like, Warriors, come out and play. Warriors, come out to play. That's all him. Yeah. That wasn't written for the movie. He just did that. And it's the most recognizable line from that movie. And yeah. one of the most, in the 80s, recognizable lines. He's done so many. You remember him in Commando? He's just like, hey, man, you said you are going to kill me last. And Arnold just goes, I lied. He <laughs> <laughs> just drops him. <laughs> uh, this Wait, was that whole scene ad-libbed? Do you know? Oh, I have no idea. That's interesting to know. Because if, if Arnold just basically fed off him, that would be amazing. It would. It would. It could be. I mean, he's... I've heard from a lot of... uh, I've heard a lot of actors when I go see them speak and everything, and David Patrick Kelly, actually, he'll he'll come up. Everyone loves him, but I never see him at, like, panels or anything like that. I hope he's not... I hope he's still alive. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask, like, I don't know what he's doing now or if he's still doing movies. he's 68. It was 68... From Detroit, Michigan. Oh, man. He's from Detroit. That's a tough-ass bitch. Because the movie... Isn't the movie... So the Crow, doesn't that take place in Detroit or supposedly? Yeah, I think because it's Devil's Night. Yeah. If it's not Detroit, it's like a fake Detroit. But I think I saw somewhere the comic book creator, the creator of The Crow, he's from Detroit. Yeah, so it's probably Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of other ones. You know, I can't remember. Uh, not ten, but Fun Boy. Fun Boy is the one who who does the like. Um, he's shooting himself up. What is that, by the way? I don't know. Morphine. Yeah, well, he says it when he when he cleans Carla's, when he cleans her wounds. He says, "I think it is morphine. Shooting yeah. up morphine's bad, or whatever." Look. Mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of all children. Do you understand? Morphine is bad for you. Your daughter is out there on the streets waiting for you. Yeah, fun boy, like he's got some type of weird look going for him. His face, like he's he's like one of those guys where you look at he like he gets all the chicks, but you'd be like, but he's so ugly. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he's kind of fit, though. Yeah, yeah, he is. That's it, You kind of look at me like, eh, I don't know. Who's the, um, is it Skank? Yes, Skank. Skank's the one who 
seems to be with T-Bird. And when they do at the very end, right before they go out there, fire it, it up, fire it up. Skink. Oh, yeah, because Skink's the last one. Skink's the last one to, to, to live or to die, really. The last one to die. Yes. And, the, and does Tony Todd, the, I don't know, like, personal right-hand man of Top Dollar, is he the one who kills Skink? No. Uh, Crow, Crow throws him out the window. Does he throw Skink out the window? Yeah. Okay. At the end, after, after the shootout, he holds the girl hostage and then he, you know, gets to him and then he just throws him out the window. Yeah, and then we have Sarah, the little girl, and Daria, who's hooking up with Fun Boy. That's her mom? Dar- Darla. Darla? Darla. Darla. That's yeah, that's the, the uh, mom. Who looked familiar, but I, I just could not put her in any other movie I've seen. I don't know. She had a familiar face, though. Yeah, and whoever, uh, Marco Rodriguez, Scarface, the, the really mad detective. <laughs> For no reason. I think Rodriguez is basically the brand X of Robert Davey, who is in the Goonies. And Robert Davey has a personal hatred of my co-host, Matt, because Matt wrote a bad review of him in like an alt-right pro-gun movie. And Robert Davey wrote him an email back saying, of course you're from Chicago. <laughs> That's incredible. Robert Davey. Hates Matt Stork, my co That is awesome. And we're watching the Brand X Robert Davey and Marco Gonzalez or Rodriguez. I, I already forgot his name. <laughs> That's how Brand X he is. Marco Rodriguez. Which I've seen that Rodriguez guy in other movies. I just don't know what. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the Goonies because he kind of looks like one of the Fratelli brothers. Yeah, that's Robert Davey. Yeah. Yeah. So, except Robert Davey has a lot more character. So who's uglier? Robert Davey or Marco Rodriguez? Man, I don't even know. That's a tough one. I think Robert Davies is a little uglier. But he's more entertaining. Is there more bias to that, though, since he hates your co-host? No, a lot of people hate Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. Anywho, let's get into the box art of this, which is also really cool because it has the one I have, which is a re-release, I think came out. Probably around the time of Scream 96, something like that. Because it's got all the quotes on the right hand side, or all the quotes on the left hand side, and the crow coming through the door on the right hand side, which is so iconic. Yeah. And it says spectacular, yep. Chicago Tribune, thrilling, Los Angeles Daily News, action packed, New York. What is it? WBAI Radio, New York. A triumph, Playboy. Oh. <laughs> I forgot. Playboy did review movies. Yeah, yeah. Playboy, very sophisticated articles they would write. Right. Yeah, everyone, that's... everyone was reading the articles in Playboy. When I they was were looking at the boobies. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, "Hey, there's there's words in here. There's words. There's yeah." Uh, another quote here: Brandon Lee is sensational from the Rolling Stone. What I find funny about that, they have another quote too: "The best movie of its kind since the original Batman." Chicago Tribune. But there's no writers' names. They use all newspapers or radio. Was that a thing back then? or Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But it's funny that they bring up Batman because you pointed out this very much has a Tim Burton Batman feel. Yes. The very noir-esque, uh, the, the, the setup, uh, not quite as along the lines of the hues that Tim Burton uses. But uh, to me, it felt... It kind of feels like they just borrowed parts of the set of Batman. Uh, yeah. The original Batman or the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah, they take out a lot of the colors. This one, the crow is more black and white, monochromatic, mm-hmm. um, you know, black and red. And they use the reds sparingly, but when they are, they're vibrant. Yeah, beautifully lit. And, and you, had, you had mentioned before the podcast how they brilliantly used the reds and and all that yeah instead of making it black and white which the original comic was black and white and the director wanted to do it in all black and white but the but the the money the suits said uh no (laughs) and so but he made it work you know a lot of times when the suits say something it ends up crash killing movie Mm -hmm. and and he made it work because they met in the middle they did a monochromatic color tone which i I loved in the 90s. The 90s had, like, Tim Burton, I think, because mm-hmm. he was so good at what he did, 
it became popular there for a while. Now, it stretched a little thin, but you know what? It came right back with The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. And then it went too far because then everyone tried to make The Matrix again. Yep. Yeah, and what I also liked too, and we mentioned it before, I think, I think, I think it holds up overall. The yes, move, the, yeah. the effects, the 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 stylization, the cinematography, you know, they you could tell that they they took a lot of points from the from comic book angles. Uh, they tried hard to you know make sure to capture that you were watching a comic book style movie. Yeah, it, it does. It felt like a '90s comic book movie that was on the better half because mm-hmm. there were so many. Oh yeah, you know what? I guess this kind of has a feel, a little bit of Blade, like Blade maybe borrowed from this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, I could see that. But yeah. Blade was also what ninety eight, something like that. About four years later, four, three, four this. years later. Yeah. Doesn't this feel a lot older than Blade though? It does. This actually feels older than. I don't know this, not in a bad way. It no. just, just maybe it's just because well, it, how old we are. It's a little bit are. more timeless. Yeah, yeah, Blade that's a good way of putting dated. it. When you watch Blade, it feels dated. Like you have all the yeah. like dance music yeah. and like techno crap. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think this this holds up. And I'll, let's listen to the actual description on this. The year's most talked about film. Catch the explosive, action-packed hit. That thrilled moviegoers and dazzled critics everywhere. Brandon Lee from Rapid Fire plays Eric Draven, a young rock guitarist who, along with his fiance, is brutally killed by a ruthless gang of criminals. Uh-oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Exactly one year after his death, Eric returns, watched over by a hypnotic crow to seek revenge, battling the evil crime lord and his band of urban thugs. That means black, Ooh. even though only one's black. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who must true, answer actually. who must answer for their crimes loaded with intense non-stop action and a hot number one hit soundtrack the crow delivers exhilarating fast-paced entertainment also included the exclusive feature out of brandon lee's last on-camera interview including never before seen footage conducted shortly before his ultimate his untimely death that's right i forgot to tell you this has like the last interview with him but it's short it's like five minutes. What does he say? He just talks about the film, uh, how excited he is, yeah. and how great it's going to be. Your basic just stuff. one but last it, thing to include about Brandon yeah. Lee for the, for the yeah. Film. But they can say it's his last interview, yeah, and then stick it in the end of the film. I'm sure, yeah. So, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into the feature presentation because there's no trailers. Boo! And now our feature presentation. There's no trailers like in any release of this film. I, because I was looking them up. Yeah, I, I, so I guess that means that. Uh, well, I guess just the, Dimension probably just didn't have a lot of. I mean, they had Hellraiser three at this point. What else? Do you well, yeah, I was gonna say because, like, I guess that means that they just because yeah, this was this was like one of the this is what got pretty much got Dimension on the yeah, radar. Yeah, Hellraiser the three, the Crying Game, and the Crow. Like, that's it. I mean, and, and you don't want to put the crying game before the crow. That's just weird. And you know what's kind of also surprising is that I, since it is the Weinstein's, right? That mm-hmm. if if there was no trailers, were they were they trying to keep Dimension its own thing instead of trying to show trailers from probably Miramax? I, mean, I think or, they just wanted to use Dimension as like it was a genre film. And you know, sometimes like the horror movies and stuff like that, it becomes quote unquote embarrassing. Yeah. Not until Scream. Once Scream came out, right. then it was no longer embarrassing well, they, because yeah. it made a shit ton of money. Yeah, the the you know Scream brought to life like the I don't want to say playful horror, but I mean you know. Well, it was like the meta humor. It was horror was cool yeah. again, yeah, like, because it'd been so dead in the nineties. And then you just and then they, you know they put Drew Barrymore in there and they got huge stars and before you know we had you know I still know what you did last summer yeah. and just so many everyone wanted to do a horror film because you could stick it out and even though it was rated R teenagers would come see it yeah. flocks yeah make a shit ton of film or a shit ton of money it was fun this film on the other hand I think was it, it's rated R and 
it's fun rated R, even though it's really dark and dirty and dank. Do you think they struck gold without knowing they actually had gold? Yes. Yeah. And maybe that's why there wasn't trailers, because they weren't really... Maybe they weren't really prepared for the success of what this movie was going to be. This film kind of seems like it was cheap to make. You had matte paintings, you had some animation, you had costumes that the costumes didn't look expensive. Right, yeah. To me, a lot of the $23 million was probably marketing and the soundtrack. Yeah, I mean... And the it helps too for the because of the graphic novel aspect of it. It helps that having matte paintings and and model props and sets actually works in favor yes. of this movie. And and that probably helped, like you said, the financial standpoint too. Yeah, this is a movie I hope never gets remade. Yeah, just well, let it <laughs> we, stay. We all know how that how what. Well, because today I don't think you could make a movie like this. Uh, you would well, have to. You would have to make it kind of like. See, uh, it would be CG over the top. I mean, yeah, it's it, that's what they do now. They can't. No one, hardly anyone, releases a film without just plastering it with CG because they're afraid no one will come see it. But have you ever seen Upgrade? Uh-uh. That was my favorite movie from well, one of my favorite movies from last year. Upgrade's amazing, and that has mostly practical effects. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. It's a sci-fi, neo-noir, thriller, action. It's awesome. Where it's, uh, basically he gets a chip in him that can control his body when he wants to. So he can, you know, like, beat the shit out of people. And he goes after the people who killed his wife. Who, it's a revenge who, film. Who is it, like, who, what is it star? Rip off Tom Hardy. Oh, I like Tom Hardy. Yeah, but this is rip off <laughs> Tom Hardy. Is where he... he looks like Tom Hardy, but he's not Tom Hardy. Oh, he was in the Alien prequel. What was that called? The shitty, remember. the shitty Alien Prometheus. prequel. Prometheus. Prometheus. And he was the one who got the little worm thing in his eye. Yeah. And he was shitty to his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. Okay. So he looks like Tom Hardy, except Tom Hardy is beefy. Yeah. This guy's skinny. But this is the first film I ever saw him in. I can't remember his name. It's the first film I ever saw him in that I liked him in. Okay. So, I would very much suggest saying that. Upgrade. Upgrade. Really simple. Basically seems like it was made in the late 80s, early 90s. Cool. Oh, where are we at with this? Uh, uh, so, we start <laughs> off with um, what? It basically is um, Eric Draven and his girlfriend. Sh- he gets shot and she gets raped? Yes. Well, yeah, they, they, they're they looking for... Or they're looking to basically kick them out of their house. Yes, condo yeah. apartment whatever you want to call it and from what i remember there was a line where he said and then you you came and you ruined the party like they weren't expecting the boyfriend to be there uh, oh yeah were they gonna burn down the building or? i don't know I, i'm still a little leery on 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 that whole well, part because no, i think they wanted the building maybe they just were gonna like scare people and trash their place so they leave i don't know if there was really any if it was ever discussed or what the backstory was about them just barging in but they weren't expecting the crow eric draven to be there and he was and then that kind of led to the they they raped and killed his girlfriend and then yeah obviously threw him out the window and then fun boy accidentally killed brandon lee yes yeah shooting him with a brass cap Oops. Oh, yes. And and it was that scene. Per our internet research, uh, it was the opening scene. Not the opening scene, but the scene where they break in. Yeah. Uh, the You know, they show throughout the constant flashbacks and the crazy lighting, which actually helped mm-hmm. for replacing Brandon Lee because um, they ended up reshooting the whole – that whole – sequence because originally he was he got shot when they when they broke in but then uh if you watch you notice they stab him instead and then throw him out the window so yeah because they had to reshoot it all because they had to use all that footage for testimony yep yeah and then they i guess they destroy after supposedly i don't even know how the how that works when the judicial system but like the evidence or whatever supposedly i read that they destroyed the evidence because out of you know courtesy for brandon lee and the family but i guarantee it's probably out there somewhere but 
That's why you gotta. I mean, it sucks too because the prop master, the prop master is the one who checks the gun because, well, the arm master is supposed to have control of all the armory, all yeah. the weapon, all the firearms. But he left because he was either tired or sick or something. So the prop master checked the gun, dry fired it. Didn't know there was debris from a bra- uh, from the brass cap of the bullet. And then they fired a blank, which is filled with three to four times more gunpowder than a normal bullet. Yeah. And it shot right through him. So basically what what dry fire means is that you, you pull the trigger where you're assuming that there is no bullet in the chamber. And so you're basically pulling the trigger on an empty un you know nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And but it turned out that that uh a piece from a blank or a dummy bullet mm-hmm. was still left in there. So when he dry fired it, nothing technically happened to, well, nothing technically happened per se to the gun going off because the prop master would have realized. Yeah. So, but what happened was it did get lodged in the barrel and then, and then they call that really a, a squib misfire mm-hmm. and which is very, very dangerous and, was not caught, and since the prop master didn't even know that that happened, it was. I mean, he's not a professional, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what sucks. And so when that usually happens, you 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 need to very intricately field strip the weapon and dislodge the bullet that is stuck in the chamber. And clearly, if you don't even know that it happens, then does you know obviously disaster strikes and. Yeah, that's why you got to use union people because apparently this was. I've heard this was non-union or, I mean, that's why, like, I assume in a union job, if an armed master left, they wouldn't do anything with firearms on the rest of the shooting. And this one, I'm assuming that the prop master was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. I've helped. And then obviously he didn't know what he was doing. And that's how it led to the death of Brendan Lee. Yeah, I would assume, too, that if the... The arms master left. I would assume that they would have probably should have switched sh- to a knife. Well, yeah. well, yeah. Either either figured out like how to finish the scene without using involving firearms, or just stop shooting altogether. Yeah. Uh, whether or not we, I mean, we don't know the we details know. Of, of of why he left or whatnot. But that's like basically the director saying, "I'm tired. Uh, I'm going to let my the sound designer." Uh, just finish doing these takes. You know, it's like you, it wouldn't happen. And especially today. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those, it sucks. It sucks. It's an accident. No one meant to do it. And we lost Brandon Lee, who probably would have been one of the biggest action stars of the 90s. I, I would agree. I, I totally agree. Uh, but it's, you know, uh, per, per comments I read, it's the curse of the Lee family. So. And this is kind of a Halloween movie, but I always forget because mm-hmm. the Demon Knight is on Halloween. But like for me, I always think of it, it kind of overshadows the Halloween aspect of the film, like where they're sitting there, you know, going through Devil's Night and burning down Detroit. Well, and I don't, I don't know necessarily if it even needed to be Halloween. I just think it, to me, it just felt like it added to the story in a good way. You know, I feel like you still could have had a great movie without it being Halloween. But then again, you know, he is wearing makeup, uh, face paint, and mm-hmm. and he, you know, he he does look like a combination of the Joker and uh, the wrestler Sting. You know? I think it's funny though that the director did music videos and rock videos beforehand, and then Eric Draven is actually like a musician. Yeah, and they have your your classic nineties. Music rock band cut. Oh, yeah, Nine Inch Nails, The Cures in it. Yeah. There's- well, the sound. Yeah, the soundtrack's great too. Yeah. Uh, but I meant they actually, you know, they had their classic montage of the '90s band, you know, rocking yeah, out in the yeah. warehouse. Yeah, and then one year later, he re- uh, crow comes and taps on his grave, and then he rises. But uh, he rises as a normal man and everything like that, and he gets his co- he goes back to his apartment and has the flashbacks of what happened, and then puts on the leather. I assume his leather pants from his musician. I don't yeah. know how he got a shirt. Yeah. Just a black skin tight shirt. Yeah. And then he covers his face very much Joker like. Yep. In a way. 
Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the few cases where I'm okay with not knowing where the crow came from or why or how. I think they just did it in such a good, simple way that you just kind of go with the flow and you don't need an over-explanation for, for who he is who he is. Yeah. It's very mystical. Yeah. But without having to be fake, you know? Yeah. Like, like, or two in your face. I don't even know anything else like this that takes you back and lets you get revenge for like one night on all your enemies. Now or here's a question though. Or whatever. Would he, would it, is it just the one day or is it just because of the circumstances of... I don't know. Because, like, we all know that the, the, the Raven got... Well, the premise is the Raven. He The Link is the Raven. Or and, the Crow. Or the, yeah, the Crow. Because his last name's Draven. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I keep... <laughs> Coincidence? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, the, yeah, the, the Link is the Crow between the two lives, the, the dead, him dead and him living. And, you know, he if the Crow dies, he... he dies and so i don't know if this would have kept going would he have still stayed alive or dead dead alive whatever you want to call it i don't know it's very interesting but now that you mentioned craven which sounds like raven and then we have a crow and then t-bird t-bird yeah what uh okay i wonder if the, <laughs> Bird if references. the creator did that on purpose james obar obar yeah who who is a Graphic artist, writer, former Marine. Yeah, and and we... Oh, I'm sorry. There is no such thing as a former Marine. Right, right. Yeah. And and Steve and I came to the conclusion that we know nothing about James Obar except for what we read, but we pretty much are sure that they came up with uh, that chant with him and his buddies in the Marine Corps. Fire it up! Fire, fire it up! up. <laughs> and this movie is loaded with amazing one-liners. Uh-huh. Yep. Like the one where he just goes, what is it? Victims. We, we, we are all victims. Yeah. 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 It's just like, it's awesome. Like, there's so much in the visuals. There's so much in this movie to like. Like, I don't want to break it down scene by scene because I want everyone to see it. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and go watch it. Because it's just full of really good character actors, really good visuals, beautiful lighting, fun costumes, and just a, a great revenge film. Yeah. Yeah, and the, it's good good acting, too. Uh, not, no one's over the top. Uh, Brandon Lee's great in it. Well, I think a lot of people are over the top. Well, but, it, but not over for what it's meant to be. It's not right? like Jim Carrey as the Riddler over the top. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Where he stops the entire movie to act. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This one is like everyone is the right amount of over the top. And even even Torres, uh, the Scarface cop, he's, you know, even he's like, <laughs> yeah. even he has a purpose. We, he has a reason for being so angry. We're not sure of it, but we, you also don't really care. You're just kind of like, yeah, he kind of fits because that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> now, yeah, the weird, Top Dollar's weird girlfriend whatever she is the one who's kind of a sorceress well and also he mentioned something like sister yeah in a weird that was that was a, that was a weird little line that like that he mentioned that uh, that i caught like what did he yeah. uh, is he fucking his sister type thing but know. that's always a character that feels like it's not part of this movie yeah yeah she's kind of the i would say out of everyone all the the cast and whatnot. She's kind of the outlier of, of them all. Like where yeah, she's very just... odd. But, but she does. She is the one that that discovers the the link of the the crow. Uh, yeah, and she like takes the crow and steals his power, and then he just becomes mortal. And that's when Top Dollar and him fight at the end. I guess I I thought the crow got hurt because it was shot, but was it not shot? Doesn't she figure out that you have, like, she sends Tony Todd's character after the crow to shoot it and kill it. I think it maims the crow, but it, like, weakens his power. Yeah, it definitely didn't kill the crow. Obviously, we, you know, it was alive. And that is a good question because if the crow is still alive, then if it's hurt, then technically wouldn't, wouldn't Draven be healing still, but slowly, more slow because... I don't know because I remember him getting shot at the end and going, "Oh, that actually hurts." Yeah, it, like doesn't heal. Yeah. So I think it's when, like, if the crow is at full health, he heals fast and he, basically nothing can stop him. But if the crow is damaged, then he's also like, it's, I don't know, 
something like that. It's like Logan or Wolverine when he loses his superpowers for a little while and she's like, oh, that bullet really hurts. Yeah, yeah. I'm not healing fast. But this movie's so much fun and, and I love how the crow, Eric Draven, goes from gang member to gang member in Revenge. It's very easy to digest. He goes, oh, I get this one, I get that one, and yada, 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 all the way up. I really love the, um, like, pawn owner, the pawn store owner, who is, like, the most slimy guy uh, possible. Yeah. Goddamn creatures in the night. They never learn. Hey! Hey! Suddenly, I heard a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. What are you talking about? You heard me rapping, right? You trespass. And you owe me a fucking new door. I'm looking for something in an engagement ring. Gold. You're looking for a coroner. Shit for brains. And then the crow goes through every wedding ring till he finds his. He like gets the flashback. Uh, I love it, and I love it that he goes, <laughs> like he goes into the bar that the T Birds gang hangs out in. Weren't they doing shots of bullets? Yes, and I was gonna call that out before when we were talking about the whole marine thing, which I also feel like is like some sort of link between his real life, circle. You know yeah. the James o, James O'Barr, the the creator. Uh, the link between when he was yeah. inspiration for writing this, but like swallowing full bullets and taking shots. And then, yeah, that's kind of how they party. <laughs> now we partied a lot in college and after college, but that's something that I make, I would have swallowed it like a quarter, but there's no fucking way I'd swallow a bullet, even though it would just pass right through you. I, I, I definitely would not swallow. No, 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 no. Uh, not no no there's absolutely not but i guarantee you there's been plenty of soldiers to do it that's what i mean i yeah, feel like i, I feel like it's an actual like thing i'm sure they did do it i'm sure if he was in i don't know wherever he was stationed in germany they were like i, I fucking dare you to yeah. take that bullet take a shot and swallow it because you could just go like oh i swallowed the bullet what's gonna happen most likely the you know the paramedic would be like you're gonna shit it out you yeah dumbass. and it Probably won't feel good while no, I shit out. hurt. <laughs> I pooped out a penny once. I, what's, I, I don't know if I've ever pooped out anything that's like not meant to be pooped out. I was a kid, probably around eight years old, and I was putting the penny in my mouth, which is now that I think about it, is completely disgusting. Oh, yeah. Because it was probably up like, I don't know, some dude's ass. But you survived. I survived. But I was putting the penny on my tongue like, look, look, look. And then I accidentally <laughs> swallowed it. it. Yeah. And I told my parents I was freaking out. And my dad's like, you're just going to poop it out. And I did. Did you? No, I just flushed okay. it. All right, all right. That penny. That would have been no lucky. That's your lucky penny, man. That's your lucky penny. I, I ain't swimming through my own <laughs> shit. No. I, I hope all of you enjoy that visual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do know that uh, this definitely I can see when we... Hang out with everyone as a collective group again. You know, maybe maybe we'll play the bullet shot game. <laughs> oh, oh shit! I hope it's like a twenty-two, like yeah, a teeny yeah, tiny yeah. twenty-two. Because <laughs> I'm. Not, could you imagine, like, just bringing like, I don't know. Some, I'm trying to think of what gate, uh, what size gauge bullet is for like a bolt action. Well, so twenty-two. Then you get your thirty-eights. Then you get your. Your eight uh, millimeter or eight millimeter, yeah. nine millimeter, and then you get your forty fives. Like it just. And I'm pretty slowly... sure they were doing nine millimeter in this. It well, like... they so. I'd have to rewind. It went up. It pretty much is what I was saying. I think the. Well, uh, they had multiple. Yeah, because um. Jeez. <laughs> what's his face? What's his face? Uh, the Goonie, uh, the Warriors guy. David Patrick Kelly, T Bird. Yo, he is T Bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So T Bird. 
T-Bird at the, at the end were like, beat that, you know, Tintin, because Tintin did it, right? Mm-hmm. And then Tintin did, looks like he just did a nine, and T-Bird did, I, I want to say T-Bird did, did one that was bigger, I'm going to guess 45, and then and then he burned his tongue with the, or maybe he did the same, and then just burned his tongue, and that's how he t- topped him, you know, because he, he took nah, his... Nah, I bet he did do a 45. Well, wait, did any of them have a 45? Well, I'm sure, I mean... Oh, what if T-Bird, because he was the smallest, had a 45, and he took his 45, swallowed his own bullet, and then burned himself on the top? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I swallowed your bullet, and I fucking put out my my cigarette or cigar in my tongue. Yeah, okay. I could see that like a Marine one-up. It's like, okay, you win. Totally, totally. Yeah. And then they draw guns on each other. (laughs) I don't even know what happens at that point. No, and then they go... (laughs) They draw guns on each other. Yeah. And, and then a guy goes, oh man, I forget the line he says. And then they go, do their chicken. Fire it up. up. Fire it up. <laughs> We're about to kill each other. And then he says, what? Like, he says, if I want to kill you, if I wanted to kill you, I would have done it already. Fire it up. Because <laughs> skank. Nah, man. That ain't skank. This is skank. And he, like, just shows the other side of his face. I could not. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, you yeah. Skank? <laughs> it's almost... I I think they probably didn't... I'm assuming they didn't write skank's lines. That actor was just really good at playing skank. Yeah. Because he's just mumbling and fumbling through everything. But you're probably like, wow, this guy can't speak. But the director, on the other hand, is like... This is the most amazing actor I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, the, it's one of those things where I would love to to just be there on set yes. to see how many takes, like, you know, see how many times he lets him just do his own thing. And, and I feel like that that is something in movies that, that definitely goes a long way when, when the director just, like, lets, lets the actor do. Yeah. I mean, they're an actor for a reason. You're making a living off it. They're good at it. Like, let them, let them ad lib and... Well, all these actors seem like legit professionals. They're all there to contribute to the film. It didn't seem like this movie had a ton of ego. Right, right. It, it felt like everyone was on the same page of what type of movie they were making. Yeah. And they all fed into it. Well, and you know why, too? is because there wasn't, there wasn't really a, a top... Well, no, no it's not the, like there was a Sylvester Stallone on this set yeah. that like just was, you know, I'm going to go stay in my trailer. Everything I want, I get in this movie. It, it's just a bunch of character actors who are in one film. And the, the lead is Brandon Lee, who's barely been in any American films. And he was hungry. Yeah, you could tell. Yeah. And he I liked I liked his style of acting, too. Whether or not he chose to to go that kind of almost sassy, you know, uh, intellectual sassy, even though he was an undead guy, you know. Yeah, I've always, when I was watching him, I wondered who he was drawing from. Yeah, was it, that's a good question because he, I don't know, he just had this, this presence about him when he was saying his lines. Confidence, you know. Yeah, well, he created his own character. Now, he could have maybe... Like, Keith Ledger, when he was the Joker, I forget the actor he was drawing from back in the day, but they find someone to inspire them, and then they take it, and they create their own character with it. Yeah. They're not so much copying someone. Yeah. They're drawing from it, and then creating their own character with it. And that's just what he felt. Like, to me, it feels like no one else can play the crow. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I and and to your point too, I just because of that I don't think I would hope that the movie does not get remade. Yeah. And neither of us have seen the sequel. I've seen one of the sequels, but I can't remember anything about them. I have not seen the sequel and or sequels. Uh, I didn't even know there was that many. Uh honestly and there's two I know one's called The City of Angels. That's the one I've seen. I saw that way back in the day when I was just renting everything I could get my hands on when it came to like action, yeah, horror or anything like that. But I can't remember it. I'm pretty sure I rented that from Hollywood Video. Ooh. When we used to live outside of college in oh. Versailles. Oh. Yeah. 
And wow. I could walk to Hollywood Video in that little mini mall, and I'd always or Blockbuster, and I'd always come back with movies. And my roommate Jeremy would be like, "Ugh, why do you rent movies like this?" <laughs> this coming from the guy who would watch Power Rangers. All we day. we all hate Jeremy's taste in everything. Just to give the audience a little uh, overview of who Jeremy Bennett is. At least his mom was awesome. You know, his, yeah, his mom's great. Yeah, the, the, the apple fell really far from the tree <laughs> that day. <laughs> it rolled down the hill all bruised. It's still, it's still rolling, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never listen to this. This is nope. great. <laughs> Podcasts, what are those? Does it have pictures? I'm not listening. You know what, though? He would be great to do one of these with because you'd purposely pick a, a terrible movie that you know he loves and then you just want to strangle him. Well, he hates horror films with a passion. But he, lo- but he loves westerns but hates anything John Wayne has done who is the king of westerns despite how good or bad his movies are you, it's more of a respect thing than anything if we could find a john wayne horror film it'd be the greatest combination Ooh. or at least a horror film that has like a john wayne clip in it i mean i'm sure that there's gotta be one I, I wish we were filthy rich just so we could bankroll that movie to piss off jeremy yeah and you know what we and, and we would do that and then we'd be like hey we'll get you vip we'll fly you to the premiere in la he'd be like no no, I don't want to do it. Uh, no. Moving on in this movie, I think we pretty much broke down the film. It's well, well, we didn't. We want you to watch it, but we talked about some good scenes. Favorite? Do you have a favorite moment from this movie? Mine's the pawn scene, where the pawn shop. Yeah, the pawn scene. shop where he walks in, and the guy's like, "Get, get out of here! You, you." Basically, he's like, "You, you filthy animal! You thug! You scum!" Man, favorite, favorite scene. And then Top Dollar stabs him in the throat. Brutal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot. I, I was going to mention Oh, and that. his leg kicks? He, like, yeah. Does that twitch? Yeah. Completely, like, unnecessary death, too. Like, unnecessary way to kill him. <laughs> yeah, because wasn't that probably someone that was paying him for protection? If you really want to kill somebody that gruesome, you got to be real fucked up. I mean, we. Not, I'm not trying to do any sort of... I'm not trying to say Top Dollar is a good man by any means... Or sane man, but if you want to kill somebody the way he killed Top Dollar, or the way Top Dollar killed whatever the pawn shop dude, yeah, like a, a, a sword through the neck, like you know, bloody. The it's it's such a. Oh yeah, when you took out that that sword, blood would just pour out. Yeah, that's a messy death. It's a it's a messy death. It's a f- you're fucking and psycho, di- and he wouldn't die of uh, quickly. Right, and he says that too. He's like, I oh, just shoot him, all right? You just shoot oh, him in the first right. place. Did he take Tony Todd's gun and Tony, just like? No, he had Tony. Yes, he took Tony yeah. Todd's gun. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a, his gun was huge. I don't know what type of gun that was, but what was what happened with Tony Todd? I don't remember. I honestly don't remember how Tony Todd died. Did he get away? He may have, because he wasn't a part of. Well, I think he was just a hired gun because I don't think he actually worked for Top Dollar. He was just kind of the, oh, well, he's... It's like a freelance, um, I don't know, a free, I don't know what he was, but he, he just walks into the movie, he's just like, by the way, I'm cool. And you're like, you are Tony Todd. Yes, you are. Yeah, you He's got the little fedora he's, he's hat fucking, thing on. Isn't that Candyman? That's Candyman, yeah. Yeah. He's fucking badass. Yeah, Tony Todd is a badass. He's huge, too. <sighs> Especially compared to Top Dollar. Michael Wincott looks like he's like maybe 5'4". He's like the Tom yeah. Cruise of bad guys. <laughs> yeah, Michael Woodcock's got like one of the most badass voices, and he's he's a shrimp. Yeah, <laughs> one hundred and forty pounds, yeah. soaking wet. <laughs> he's still cool though. Still cool. But I think I'm ready to move on to the museum. Are you? Oh yeah. Wait, I didn't. I didn't give you. Oh, oh. I didn't give you a favorite part. A favorite part of the movie. Okay. Go. Uh, I would say. We hinted on this, uh, well, in the pre-discussion. Uh, I think, cinematically, too, the best shot scene in this... Well, there's two parts, cinematically. But to me, probably my favorite part was right after uh, he killed 
well, strapped what's-his-face to his car seat. Oh, T-Bird. T-Bird, yeah, yeah. Let him go, and then he proceeded to light the crow emblem with gasoline yeah, it's on the awesome. pavement. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Uh, the super cinematic shot, great, great shot. And then... Trailer moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We need a trailer shot. Can we just set this up right here? Yeah. And... <laughs> Proyos, Alex Proyos, whatever we're calling him. That Australian's like, I got you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some gasoline and fire. Uh, and then I, I did like the the very beginning, the shot painting through the what is basically just models, uh, built a built set. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was actually really well done. And the way they stitched it in. The, the the footage in with the, the the sets I thought that was really well done uh, for the time yeah. and um, I, I, like I said it still holds up so even for the time it was good even now I watch it I'm like I still buy it like yeah. how cynical my brain is with picking apart films I watch this and I'm like completely buy it oh and I'm I'm probably worse worse than you at, at being uh, I'm I'm very critical on that kind of crap and and. You know, you know it's a set, right? You know that these are models, but it's it it there. There's a sort of admiration to it that that I like. You know, you appreciate the work and you appreciate how well it holds up, and it looks great. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Everything about it. Let's move on to the museum. Museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you! This is the part of the show where we go out into the film jungle just like Indiana Jones and bring something back. It belongs in a museum! Scott, should I start? I know what I want. Yeah, you know what you want. I I, kind of know what I want, but let's hear yours. The script. This is one of the best scripts I've read. Like, I've actually read this script. It's 110 pages, which is vaguely, you know, each page is a minute. Uh, This one's only like a 100-minute movie, so there's some extra... But I actually read this. Uh, I got this, printed it off a PDF way back in the day, read it. Because someone told me it's an excellent script. I love the movie. And it is. It it wastes no time. Yeah. Yeah, Every scene is built towards the climax. It's very, they, they, you're right. And it's very cut and dry what it is. And and they don't, they don't waste your time. And that's a perfect way to put it. And that's what I really loved about the script and the movie is that there's no fluff. Like it's all it's a beautifully beautifully shot film, uh, good acting, good good action, and and you're right the, the the script is perfect. Yeah, even even the scene where Ernie Hudson sits down to have a hot dog with Sarah, and she's like, "Oh, I don't like onions; they make you fart." The whole point of that is building that like he has a relationship with her. That's why he goes after. And that's why he trusts you know Eric Draven. Like it's just amazing. There there's no scenes in this film. That you could drop out, yeah, because they carry so much weight from scene to scene. And that, that's a that that was a great point about the the hot dog scene because that's exactly what its purpose was for to to sh- to show the audience that he still cares. He cares about this girl that yeah. was affected by the tragic the tragedy that happened. So, and Ernie Hudson smokes a lot of cigarettes in this film. Like every scene, he smoked. Yeah, and and. You know, uh, Draven makes sure to let him know that, or the crow makes sure to let him know that it's bad for him. These so. are bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> he like takes a drag. Yeah, eh, he's dead anyway. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. I would say my museum pick would be. I don't. I don't want to go cliche, but I would say my museum pick would be the probably the set design and and how well it holds up. Uh, it's a beautiful film, and the, the all hold, the art holds up. The, the the you know the matte paintings, the 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 models, it all holds up so well. And I have an appreciation for that because I mean well, yeah. I'm in that industry, so it helps. And yeah, I I would say that 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 the overall cinematography of the film and and the set designs and the artwork, everything is. Is great and felt like a comic book movie in a good way, not like an over yeah. the top way. Uh, like even though you did, it is over the top, right? Because it's a comic book movie, but it's not in your face, uh, you know, crazy over the top. 
You know, it's not Riddler, Jim Carrey over the top. Yes. Or Tommy Lee Jones is two faced in that movie. Don't you talk bad about my Tommy Lee. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would say. It could be worse. It could be Arnold as Iceman. Mm. Yeah, the one of the worst casted characters of all time. Uh, I got your tongue. That's not one he did, but I feel like it would be. <laughs> it is one now. It is yeah. one now. <laughs> Fuck that movie. I have not watched that probably in five, six years. The one, the one that always pisses me off. It's not even Iceman. It's when he pulls out the Batman credit card. Oh. I don't even remember. It that. was like a trailer moment. Oh boy! It was like I never leave home without it. And oh. It's like a Mastercard with a Batman symbol, and I'm like, "But you're you're supposed to be Bruce Wayne with a secret identity." Five million. That's a utility belt, not a money belt. Six million. Seven million. Never leave the cave without it. That's See? a real yeah. He pulls out the Batman credit oh, card. Man, I I guess I gotta go back and watch that movie or do i i don't i mean you have to with alcohol and a group (laughs) that's perfect because bane is oh like at least christopher nolan you can yeah i mean obviously you can make fun of the you know everyone covers their mouth and talks like bane but the bane in the batman and robin movie didn't even talk no he's just like I, I know he was trying to make a campy's like sixty homage. Fuck that movie's bad. Well, Uma Thurman too, right? Yeah. Well, she's good. She's nice to look at. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I have a thing for redheads. What? <laughs> yeah. Curse you, movie! Don't give me Uma Thurman as a redhead and then put her in a shitty film. <laughs> Have you have you done that movie yet? No. I don't even own that movie. That's Batman and Robin. Or is yes, that Batman yeah. Forever? Batman Forever is the Val Kilmer one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Batman and Robin. Yeah. Uh, Val Kilmer, Jim Carrey, and Tommy Lee Jones. Huge, huge star-studded yeah. cast of all these actors at the top of their prime. And yeah, and before that was... T- was If you think about it, Tim Burton, the way he cast, he had Michael Keaton... Christopher Walken, Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, and Danny DeVito, and then Jerry Bruckheimer goes, "Give me all the A lists, yeah, 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 <laughs> everyone you got." Which, by the way, Danny DeVito is one of the best villains, yeah, as the Penguin. He's uh, honestly, I put when it comes to the Batman cinematic universe that they have, number one is is Joker by um, Ledger. Heath Ledger. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. And number two is Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Yep, I I agree. I agree. Hands down. Could be worse. My nose could be gushing (laughs) blood. (laughs) (laughs) And then the camera cut just. (laughs) And the dude is bleeding all over the place. He's just walking up with the fish guts in his hand. And (laughs) can I take that from? Okay. (laughs) And it's all dripping down his like disgusting pajamas. Oh. Yeah, his onesie. <laughs> yeah. It's like gray, off, you know, off-white onesie. Just, oh. <laughs> oh. That is one of my favorite Christmas movies ever. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is a Christmas movie. I fucking love it. Anyway, back to The Crow. We went through our museum. Uh, that's pretty much going to do it. Um, next time we're going to come back. I don't know if Scott's going to be with me, but someone will be. Where we're going to go through Dark City. I would, I would like to. Do we'll like see. Dart City. And we'll see how scheduling goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's uh, that's the complicated thing about getting someone new almost every week. Is like just like, so who is open and available? <laughs> but it, it's kind of fun though. It, it's interesting to hear other people's. like Because you come with a different perspective. I admire the work behind all the, the, the effects and... Mm-hmm. All that stuff, just because that's kind of in the realm of what I do. So I definitely have an appreciation towards, especially when things hold up like The Crow has. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, uh, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Jurassic Park is my all time favorite movie. And those, that is another case of the effects that hold up real well. And 
So I have a deep appreciation for movies that do that. I always struggle with what is my favorite effects movie. Is it T2 or is it Jurassic Park? <laughs> well, I mean, that's can it be both? Because I feel like one part of the year I'm a Jurassic Park guy, and the other part of the year I'm a T2 guy. Like yeah. the fall and winter, I'm a T2 guy. And spring and summer comes, and I'm a Jurassic Park. You know, the thing I notice is that Jurassic Park is on TV way more, I see, than T2. And Well, probably because of length and family. You got to really add a T2 down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about the family part. But it's funny because every time it's on, Anna will be like, she'll look at me and she'll go, Really? You've seen this movie about a thousand times, and I go, yeah, it gets better every time. <laughs> and I'll watch it a thousand more. <laughs> Get off me. I'm starving. <laughs> Lay off me. I'm starving. All right. You can listen to us on pretty much anything that brings you a podcast, iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, whatever there is. We're on them. Stitcher. I don't know. Whatever. There's a lot of them. You can also catch us on YouTube, uh, which we are getting a ton of comments on YouTube. And I would like to say, please don't ask me to post the movie on YouTube because I can't. <laughs> I can't post the full movie, you moron. Well, why can't they just YouTube the movie? Why can't they just buy it? Oh, oh probably because they have no money. Yeah, That's I... why they're watching YouTube. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, but they have money by internet to get access to YouTube unless they're going to like... I don't know. Whatever. Just stop asking me to post the full movie. Because I'm tired of erasing those comments. It's weird. Oh, you have to erase them? No, I don't have to. I just choose to. Oh, okay. Because it's stupid. Yeah. Okay, remember to be kind. Rewind. Jack Black. Hey, everybody. What's up? I'm here, too. We are the Jersey Ghouls, a horror podcast based out of the Garden State. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Marissa's scholarly conversations. By the way, if you Google psycho female, you definitely don't get the name of the actress from Psycho. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Nate's thrilling debate. Why? Why are you so resistant against it? Because don't you start. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Jackie's love of 80s slasher movie, Topless Seat. Whoa, Jackie, this is a feminist podcast. I know. I'm a woman. And as a woman, I appreciate a nice set of jugs. Okay, but you shouldn't call them jugs. Hooters? Bazungas? Tatas? Dirty pillows? I I like boobs, too. Can, can I call them fun bags? No! We're the Jersey Ghouls. You can find us on social media by searching Jersey Ghouls on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also find our blog and podcast on our website, jerseyghouls.com. <laughs>